Okay, today's episode is part two of the previous episode with Joseph, Pastor Joseph Peterson. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, this one won't make much sense. Uh, so go listen to the first one and then come back and listen to this one. You'll hear how God did slow him down. You, you'll hear what happened. And it's just an incredible journey. I can't wait for you to hear the rest of Joseph Peterson's background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey everyone, welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, J. Dan Gum. Welcome to another episode where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. Thanks again for tuning in. Listen, we are enjoying just sharing stories of people who've risen above their, their past and not letting their background hold them back, but making it pay them back spiritually, physically, even financially. Man, we've got some great stories, and that's what we're all about. Sometimes I talk about solo episodes where I talk you know, about certain topics or whatever. But most of the time, man, I'm, I'm going to share how, how you can rise above your background. Your background may not look like mine. Your background may not be criminal. It may be uh, coming from, you know, something that happened in your childhood. Your background may be something that you rose above that's financial or, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's not strictly about, uh, you know, criminal. And we, we think that because every time we hear the background check, we think, oh, it's criminal. You know, but everybody, I mean, even non-criminals have to do a background check at work, you know, or like when they're applying for a job or a credit background check. The background check is a part of everyone's lives, not just criminals. You know, they're, they're looking into your past to try to find something negative. And so all we're about is saying, yes, let's look into our past, but let's make it a positive thing that we're going and talking about our past and then helping people in similar situations rise above their past. That's what we're all about. And, and we love doing that. God started this thing back in, in May of 2020 when, when COVID hit and kept us from going back in. And we're just so thankful. Um, we've had volunteers. We've had Bridges to Life. We've had uh, chaplains, volunteer chaplains, assistants. We've had uh, CEOs of, of eight-figure companies. We've had judges, lawyers. We've had so many people, man, and mostly just former inmates, former addicts former alcoholics just telling their story, sharing their story. And, and I'm one of those. Uh, and, and I'm a business owner. I'm a homeowner. I'm an investor. Uh, I have a family with two daughters, and I have a son who lives in Oklahoma. And we do recover. We do change. And we do, we do rise above our background. And so that's what this podcast is all about. And I'm glad you're listening. We are brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. We are uh, actually going to be touring the space that we're looking at for the Resource Center, the house, the transitional houses. Guys, if you're listening, uh, is, is we don't know exactly what's going to happen with it. Uh, we know we've committed to some people. 
and we know that uh, we're going to do our best to commit to them. So the we're going to be out of the current home that we're in in May. The new landlord is going to um, it's just not going to work. So, uh, but we're going to find some some place that, that that we can fulfill the commitments to you guys that we've already committed to, and uh, we won't be taking any new guys in currently. But we'll be the ones we've already committed to. They know who they are. There's a handful of them that have just been in in prison for a long time, and and uh, we're going to be committed. Now, in the future, we will have an apartment building, 16 unit apartment building. So, man, not not only is a halfway house, but I mean, like when you get out and you just need an apartment to live in. We're going to have that kind of housing for you. So anyway, but we're looking at uh, the resource center right now. We're going to have jobs. We're going to have business opportunities. We're going to have all kinds of classes and vocational trades and, and different things and opportunities for you to to even do what I'm doing, to even do do stuff like this. So um, anyway, we're excited. We're also brought to you by uh, Union Houston Church, P- Pastor Rod and Sarah Var- Vargas down in Houston, Texas. They're an unbelievable pastor. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to them. They support us monthly, but you know they the way they evangelize and disciple is like any other. It's not like any other church I've ever seen. For for real, and I, and I and I usually don't say that there's a church that is doing something different than everybody else because we're kind of all the same. But this church does evangelism and discipleship, especially discipleship, differently. And I just want to, if you're anywhere near the Houston area and you need a good church to go to, check them out, unionhouston.com, all right? Uh, we're also brought to you by Clarity Roofing and Solar. Joe, uh, Joe Medeiros, my good friend, uh, they they put a roof on our old house. Now that we're in our new house, we don't need a new roof, but we are getting solar. We're, we're, we're signed up. We're going to be getting solar in about four, five, six weeks, something like that. So we're excited about that. If you If you need an estimate on your roof, if you need an estimate, and I did not turn my noises down, so let me do that real quick. Uh, if you need an estimate on your r- roof, it's been part of a storm damage or whatever, uh, give them a call, 972-922-6434, or go to clarityroofingandsolar.com. Clarity, roofing, and the the letter the word and is spelled out, and solar.com. Check them out. It doesn't cost anything to get them out there to get you an estimate. And listen, solar is making more and more sense now that electricity, the grid's failing, all this stuff. It's just making more sense now. So um, anyway, check them out. All right, if you hey, if you want to write to us, uh, write background check and forgiven felons, P.O. Box four two eight three, Cedar Hill, Texas seven five one zero six. That's Cedar Hill, C E D A R H I L L, Texas seven five one zero six. All right. Uh, if you want to, when you get out, or if you're already out, but when you guys that are locked up, when you get out and you want to watch the documentary, check it out. It's on Roku. It's on Tubi TV. It's on YouTube under the Cushion Movie Channel. So check us out. All right. And thanks again for uh, listening, spreading the word. Uh, for those of you in prison, we are under the personal development category now, I believe officially. So when you're telling people, check out Background Check Podcast under the personal development category. Thanks again, and um, I think we're just going to get to part two. This is Joseph Peterson, my friend. I was locked up with, we were locked up together 16 and a half years ago. Well, actually longer than that because he got out in January, uh, or, or I guess he got out, he did his FI6, so we kind of got out at the same time. So anyway, he's incredible. He's a pastor at uh, Right On Point Ministries. 
there on Ruthby Street in Houston. Uh, the address is on the show notes. So they, he's amazing. Uh, we were locked up together. We grew together. We did time together. And he's got, a, he's got an amazing story. Again, this is part two of his story. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard part one, the previous episode, please go listen to it first because where we start up is where we left off and it won't make much sense to you. But uh, it'll still be good, but it won't make you won't have the context. So, all right, here we go. Here's my part two of the interview with Joseph Duna Peterson. I'd get in my place and I'd fall on my knees and I'd say, God, not having a relationship with him, but I'd fall on my knees and I'd say, God, please. I say, forgive me. I said, please slow me down. And so I wake up the next morning. It's like nothing happened. You know, I get in my vehicle. I go back to my beeper shop. This is on the 8th of May, 1995. I get to my business and I run my business like normal. You know, I got my big gun on me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to run my business and then I'm going to go home. So May the 8th of 1995, nighttime hit. I'm driving home. I hear something is about to happen. Mm. Something is about to happen. So I'm driving home and I, I'm thinking about, man, maybe I need to stop at a hotel because what was happening in me was that whatever was going to happen, this is the message in me, uh, whatever was about to happen was going to happen to me at my residence. Yeah. So I say, man, I could go to a hotel. I don't, I don't, I don't have to go home, but I had this fear that something can happen at the hotel. Then I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll drive to my mom's house, but my mom stayed miles away from me. And I'm thinking, but I'm too sleepy to drive to my mom's house. So I just head home. Yeah. And so I get to my home and then I hear it again. Something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. So I pull out my parking spot. I back back in my parking spot. I pull out my parking spot. I back back in. And then finally, I stop again. And I say, man, I'm tripping, man. And I get out the car. And that night, I almost uh, drew down on a residence uh, who was just going to the laundry, mm. you know, and coming from the laundry. And so I say, man. This is the way I word it. I say, man, I better get my tail in the house. I say, because, man, I'm about to get in some serious trouble. So I get in the house. Well, on the 9th, everything would change for me. Yeah. This is where, this is the, my story. Everything would change for me. I uh, had a big, big drug deal was about to go, you know, it was about to go forth. And during that time it was a short and you know it was a shortage in drugs so it was really hard to find major drugs you know like kilos and just so happened that would have been a good thing for me you know that I had not found it but uh but what ended up happening I got a phone call in I couldn't get it from the Mexicans but the Colombians came through and when the Colombians came through they said we have exactly what you need like that. And so when they came through, I had already made it up in my mind, no, I'm not gonna do anything. But the deal sound so enticing that I said, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and go through with it. So, but 
when I got home on the ninth, this, before this before this transpired, I got I, I I arrived at my residence on the ninth, and when I arrived there, this night the message go, uh, going home was different. It was saying tonight is the night. Mm. Tonight is the night, and I'm driving all the way home hearing tonight is the night. Tonight is the night, and I'm truly thinking at that point. Hotel, mom's <laughs> yeah, house, yeah. but I'm also hearing something can happen to me at the hotel yeah. and I'm too sleepy to go to mom. So that night, I'll never forget this, Jay. This where my life took a serious turn. I get to my residence. I carry out the same pattern. You know, I pull out, I back in, I pull out, I back in. Then finally, I'm like, man, boy, you are tripping really, really bad. So I back in, and finally I pull my 9 millimeter out. And when I pull my 9 millimeter out on, on the ninth, I'm sorry, 7, 8, yeah, I'm sorry. Ninth. Yeah, well, don't, yeah, I'm getting my dates mixed yeah. up. So I pulled my 9 millimeter out. When I pulled it out, I'll never forget this. I get out my car. I got my nine millimeter and I heard a voice say, run. So I took off running. I heard the voice say, jump. I jumped. I did everything that voice was telling me to do. And as I jumped, I noticed what appeared to be a figure coming up from behind me. And I ran up some stairs, man. And when I ran up the stairs, I had some keys in my hand and I was fumbling with them keys in the door you know i'm just fumbling with the keys and i happened to look back but i didn't see nobody mm. so i get inside my place and i uh stood at the door with my i slammed the door locked the door standing there with my nine millimeter peeping through my peephole and then i finally dropped to my knees and i said god i said I'm moving too fast. I say, Lord, please forgive me. I said, please slow me down. Not knowing anything else. Yeah. And then finally, uh, what ended up happening, the very next day, I headed to my beeper company, expecting big drugs to be there, expecting a huge sum of money to be there. Didn't even pay attention. Now, Jay, this is gonna get a little deep, but watch here. I pull up at my place, and I'm in a predominantly black neighborhood. It's predominantly black. It's predominantly, well, you got quite a few Hispanics, but it's predominantly black. It's the Houston South Park. And I say this because this had never happened before out of all the years I had been right there with my beeper company. But that day, you had a lot of white people out there, <laughs> and they were out in the parking lot, and they were playing soccer in the parking lot, which was something that don't happen in that community. <laughs> So all of a sudden, God was just showing me my hardness of heart and my stiff neck. You know, I was so caught up into monetary. So I saw that, but I didn't even give no consideration to that while I got a big major drug deal getting ready to go down here. You know, and it's like I've never seen that out of all the time I've been there, but I just brushed it off. Yeah. And then I get a... I'll say at that time, a mysterious phone call from my dad who's deceased today. But my dad called my shop 
And when he, he called my company, when he called my company, he said, Lil Joe, he said, I don't know what you got going on in that shop today, not knowing none of my business like yeah. that. He said, but whatever you got going on, he said, get out of there, man. He said, look, man, go go out, take a break today. Don't, don't do anything today. Just go have fun. Okay. Well, we got a guy who's missing. He was supposed to be coming in from another state with thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, he didn't show up on time. Well, we didn't know that this guy was, he was uh, stopped by the, they say he came and turned himself in with the monies. Yeah. Well, we didn't know he had got paid $3,000 to get body mic. Mm. And when he got paid $3,000 to get body mic, he ended up coming to my place where this transaction was supposed to take place. Well, on that day, Jay, my place got, he showed up. Those soccer players, they were law, they were law officials, FBI, uh, Gulf Coast major offender, uh, DEA, ATF, HPD, Metro Police, Sheriff uh, Department. You had them all there. All of them. And what was so wild about this one, Jay, was that, and I say God is a good God, but I was asleep one before this happened. This was like maybe weeks before this happened, not even a month, I don't think. I had a dream, Jay. And when I had the dream, in the dream, there were a whole bunch of alphabets in the dream. And mm. they were of the law enforcement. And what happened was the dream was so real that it caused me to jump up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. And then I was paused, and I didn't know that I was not busted yet. In other words, I hadn't mm. been busted yet. Wow. And I was sitting there in a cold sweat, and then I looked around and I saw it's my room. Then I said, in my, house, in my place, and I say, I'm not busted yet. I said, I'm not busted yet. And then weeks later, this would be the reality you know wow. it was uh those alphabets they begin to sound like atf hpd de dea uh i mean just a host of them yeah. and so they came and even the neighbors said there was a silent helicopter that was dropping people off on top of my building wow so while i'm in my office i got people from south america there i got people from out of state there and i heard this colombian who was there he began to holler, hey, 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 hey. And next thing you know, I hear all the noise. Boom, 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 boom. You know, they coming in. And they, and Jay, I thank God for this. Because that day, Jay, I had I had a close encounter with the laws before. You know, with the law of uh, selling drugs. And I had made it up in my mind that day. I said, if they ever come to get me again, I say, they're going to have to kill me next mm. time. I say, because I'm going out with a shootout. Well, Jay, that nine millimeter that would usually be in my building, and I had another gun also that I would give to my secretaries when they would be running my beeper business. And uh, what happened, Jay, I never do this. But that day, I left both guns out in my car. Thank wow. God I did that. You know, but they came in, and I called myself, was going to have a shootout. I was going to die there. And I remember seeing the officers. The officers came in, and that shootout would have been in vain because, man, I had never seen bulletproof vests so thick. Mm. I'm talking about it was like thick, yeah, yeah, thick. Yeah. And they're coming in, man. And when they came in, 
I realized I didn't have my gun, so I just laid down behind my desk. And this is uh, where your brother is going to uh, be bringing this to a close pretty much. But what ended up happening, when they came in, they uh, came in, the officer walked in, he's, he's, he has his, his weapon out, and he, but he walks in real kind, and he went on and just got me say, come on, let me, let me get you. He went on handcuffed me. Mm. And when he handcuffed me, he brought me to the car, and when he brought me to the car, I, I wasn't mad at any officer there. I wasn't mad at nobody there, but I would call myself being mad at God. And when I got when I was when they when they placed me in the back seat of the police car, uh, I remember saying to God with my handcuffs on and sitting in the back of the car, not mad at officers, y'all just doing your job, you know. But I'm mad at God, and I remember saying to God, I said, God, I said, I told you to slow me down. But you know what happened? I didn't even make mention of this. The morning that I got. I mean, on that day I got busted on, that morning when I set out, this was the prayer, this was so-called my prayer to God. I said, God, I say, please forgive me. I said, please slow me down. I say, you act like you don't hear me. Mm. And that day, <laughs> that was definitely, that was a direct affront to God. You act like you don't hear me. And I didn't know later on that it would be that. So check this out. So they put me on maximum security. They kept me there, hid. I was hid on maximum security for about three months. Uh, I had never had a felony before, uh, but they wouldn't let Were me. Were you in Harris County? I was in Harris okay. County 701. Uh, they put me on maximum security, the uh, seventh floor. And uh, when they put me up there, they put me up there with federal uh, inmates who were coming in to get more time or for whatever reason, they put me up there with uh, inmates that were facing death row. You know, I, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, uh, like a capital punishment right. charge or something. Yep. But they let them roam around in general population, you know, until gotcha. they would be convicted. So I'm up there with people like that. <clears throat> then all of a sudden, Jay, I sat up there for three whole months, and uh, I found myself getting involved with other religions. Uh, first, I picked up a Bible. You know, I thought, yeah. well, people told me about God. I called myself trying to seek out God, find God. I'm doing some serious soul searching. I didn't have a will to fight no more as far right. as trying to come up out of this thing and be okay, but I did, I had that little hot head. Yeah. I said, well, I say, they're gonna eventually have to give me a bun. Well, the first bun came, and that first bun was a brown penny away from a million dollars. Well, the same day they gave the bun, before I can even set my little, well, my hard head to think that I'm going to make bun, they ended up taking the bun. And that's where they were able to hold me for three months. I'm, I know I'm kind of running. But all of a sudden, as I'm sitting up there, I had a whole lot of time to think. And so I was contemplating on killing myself. You know, I literally uh, uh, attempted to commit suicide in there, hmm. but I had a celly. Yeah, well, you know, a uh, bunkmate. Yeah. And uh, he happened to be somebody I knew, you know, and somebody who could get through to me. And they would be getting ready to go out to that one hour of uh, recreation in the county jail. And uh, he would check on me because I wouldn't go to wreck with them, but he would encourage me to spread with them. 
He would encourage me, uh, you know, just to want to live. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so before they would go out to wreck, he'd see me laying in my bed. He could tell I was really depressed. I was really hurt. I'm like, man, what have I done with my life? And he would look up at that top bunk and he'd say, Hey, Dooney, man, because he knew me by my nickname. But yeah. he said, hey, but he called me, instead of Dooney, he called me Dooney. But he said, hey, Dooney. He said, man, what you got in your hand? I said, man, I don't have nothing in my hand, but I got a razor blade. Yeah. And he said, all right, man, he'll give me this certain look. Man, don't you be up there doing nothing crazy. And he made me feel like, hey, he really cares. Yeah. This friend, he's mo- he cares. That's so cool. And so that prevented me from killing myself. And wow. But finally, Jay. I ended up making bun. When I made bun, I got out, not in my Christian, you know, with my relationship with Christ, I had got involved with Islam. And when I got out, I was considering myself to be very devout with Islam, and I was gonna show Muslims what it really meant to be a Muslim. So Mm. I went that route, man. I got home, I was so radical with this to where it had my mom them concern, you know, my mom concerned. It mm, had family yeah. members concerned, and they're like, uh, "Well, let me look in that book. Let me see that <laughs> book." And I say, "No, you can't. You can't touch my book till you wash your hands. Go wash your hands." And they would like laugh, you know. Today they laugh about yeah, it, yeah. but they saw how radical I was about it. But this was the problem for me, Jay. As I was uh, in Islam, you know. Uh, I noticed that the more I prayed to this Allah, you know, this in Islam, uh, the worse my situation became. Mm. It was like I was just praying in the air. And I had combed through that book and combed through that book and I was receiving this as if this was God himself. I'm going through that Quran. And I was very passionate about it. And I would talk about this Allah so much, we, we understand that's the yeah. uh, yep. Arabic way of saying God. But <clears throat> I kept doing that, Jay, then all of a sudden, Jay, I remember waking up at 12, 1, 2 in the morning, and I'm crying. And I got a Quran on one hand, and I got the Bible on the other hand. And I would cry out, this is a true story. I cried and I say, I say, Allah! Then I'd say, Jesus. Then I'd say, Allah. I look towards the Quran. I say, then I look towards the Bible. And I say, Jesus. And then I finally just would break down crying and I say, which one are you? Like mm. that. Then all of a sudden, Jay, I uh, I remember crying myself to sleep on different nights doing that same thing. Wow. But one day, Jay, I was, I was, I, there was a young man and his sister who I had met him and I wasn't really friendly. I wasn't friendly, but this young man, for some reason, Jay, before I got in all my trouble, I remember he had uh, hollered across from me when me and some of the guys were working out on, on our balconies. He screamed across to me and he became acquainted with me somewhat, but not like a friendship. I only had some that yeah. one time, but when I got home after making a bun, he came and and these cases pinned or this case pending, and I got home and when I got home, I remember I was sitting up in my living room, Jay, with a fourteen shot nine millimeter, that same one, because the feds had gave my guns back, you know, because I wasn't yet convicted, 
And uh, I'm at my place and I'm watching this depressing movie where this person got killed. And I kept rewinding it and kept rewinding it. And I was crying because the issue about the, the issues in the movie were real. It's what we were going through. And it happened at that point to be racism. And I was, I saw in this movie where this uh, black person got killed, you know, it was a racial thing that took place. And uh, I remember I was just crying out to God and I say, I say, you see God, it's just a movie, but I'm saying, you see God, I say, this is what's in this world. I say, it's just, it's just racism and it's just hatred. And I say, God, I want out of this world. I want to die. But that was my way of, you know, addressing this problem right. that I was in. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so all of a sudden I, I got my, my 14 shot nine millimeter and I was get I was putting it to my head. And as I was putting it to my head, I was crying and I kept rewinding the video, you know, rewinding the video, just trying to get up enough guts to go ahead and just yeah. say boom. And while I'm sitting there, this is the God's honest truth. Uh, I heard a knock at the door. So I hear the knock and I'm like, man, who's knocking at my door? And what I was thinking, I'm thinking it's the feds. Right. You know, they coming back to get yep, me. Yep, yep. So I go to that door. When I opened the door, it was that young man. Mm-hmm. And when that young man come in, well, first he asked, can he use my phone, which was something I wouldn't really do, but I let him come on in. He don't know, but I'm like, I'm not worried about him. If he's up to something, I got this 14 shot nine <laughs> in here. So I let him come in. So he used the phone. After he used my phone, the young man see me sitting in my love seat and I got my pistol. He don't see it, but I'm sitting in my love seat letting him use the phone. And he gets off and he said, he said, thank you for letting me use your phone, man. He said, thank you. And he said, man, I want to ask you something. He said, have anybody ever talked to you about Jesus? He don't know what I'm going through. Mm. He have no idea. And he said, have anybody ever talked to you about Jesus? Now, keep in mind, I've been indoctrinated with Islam Mm -hmm. uh, for a good while at that point. And so then all of a sudden he said, uh, I say, no, but I'm thinking within myself, I can let him talk to me about Jesus. I'm like, man, I don't have nothing to lose. Well, I say, because I'm already in all kinds of stuff, and I don't even want to be alive. I'm in here about to kill myself and everything. So then I say, yeah, I've heard about him. I say, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm into Islam like that. He say, well, look. He say, yeah, but he say, do Islam talk about the Holy Spirit? He began to ask me about the Holy Spirit. And so when he talked to me that day, I listened to him and he left. But when he left, Jay, I kept hearing this. Have anybody ever talked to you about the Holy Spirit? I kept hearing that. Have anybody ever talked to you about the Holy Spirit? Now he's long gone. Yeah. Have anybody ever talked to you about the Holy Spirit? So then he's gone but he would call and he'd check on me and he'd talk to me some more about Jesus. Well, finally, I went to court one day. He was lifting me up because yeah, he yeah, was yeah. talking like he really knew what he was talking about. Like, it's really this Jesus. You know, I've heard about him, but it's becoming like real. Something is real about this. You know, faith is coming by hearing the word of God. And uh, next thing you know, I went to court and when I went to court, I was discouraged because they was talking about locking me up again 
uh, up under this same case, but with another huge bun yeah. I'm going to have to make. Yeah. So I go back in. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I get depressed after coming from court. So while I'm headed home, I say, this time I'm going to really get ready to kill myself like that. I'm going home to kill myself. So I go in my room, and my place wasn't a small place. So I grab a pillar, and I grab a knife, and I say, if one thing don't do it, the next one will. Yeah. So I'm planning on going shoot and stab myself in my room. So I uh, remember being on my knees in my room, getting ready to kill myself. But then I say, you know what? No, I think what I'm going to get ready to do, I'm going to go kill myself. But I say when they find me, I want, I want them to find me in my closet. You know, So I went in my closet. And as I'm getting ready to kill myself, right before I did that, I said, God, if you real, I say, show yourself to me, because I say, if you don't, I say, I'm getting ready to kill myself like that. And next thing you know, I hear a knock at the door. <laughs> so when I hear a knock at the door, I got mad. <laughs> and this was the words that came out of my mouth. God, God loves to answer your prayers, and you sure get mad at him when he does. I got mad, and that was the uh, next time. And I say, I said, I got mad. I say, I say, man. I say, who knocking on my door while I'm getting ready to kill myself like that? So, but first, I, I first I heard it and I kind of smirked because I'm like, I just asked God. I say, God, if you real, I say, I say, if you real, show yourself to me. And I heard that knock, but it was almost like it was unbelievable. Yeah. Because I just asked God, yeah. if you real, you know, show yourself. And then I hear the knock again, and I kind of laughed. I say. Somebody knocking at my door. So I go open the door, and who was it? It was the Christian again. Mm. So this is what happened, Jay. The Christian encouraged me to live just a little bit more longer. And I'll never forget that young man. And so I lived, but all of a sudden, I went to court again. And when I went to court, I ended up in court and uh, they were talking pretty bad, like, this is it. You, you're you going to be gone pretty much for a long time, you know, based upon what I had done. And so I come back home, and I remember my mom was at my place. Some friends were at my place. And I slept in the living room that night. And as I'm sleeping in my living room, I went out and purchased something that I thought would kill me, but it's going to kill me softly. You know, it's going right. to kill me and it's going to kill me in my sleep. And I remember I was crying to God and I say, God, I believe this much because I had an aunt who told me a long time ago, and I thank God for this aunt. Mm -hmm. Some may find discrepancy with what she said, but it's, but she said, she told me a long time ago when I was a kid, she say, Joseph, she said, well, she called me by my nickname, Duna. She said, if you kill yourself, she said, you're going to go to hell like mm -hmm. that. And I remember I'm in my place and I'm talking with God. That's in my mind. I'm yeah. saying, well, God, I say, well, I say, well, God, I was asking you to show yourself to me. I say, well, if you don't show yourself to me tonight, I'm going to be dead. I'm, I'm going to be dead. And I say, God, I guess I'll see you when I when I'm standing before you, you know, and uh, so I said, I'm going to go ahead and kill myself. And I literally thought I was going to be able to have a talk with God, you know, after mm. I killed myself. Wow. So I took an overdose that night, you know, on some uh, pills, some, and I've never get into drugs. But I've had tried to kill myself in my younger days, you know, through medicine cabinets. So I tried it again. 
And I took those pills, and Jay, I'll never forget this. I went to sleep crying, and I said, God, I'll see you when I get there. I'll see you when I get there. And all of a sudden, around 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, when I would usually be trying to find out Jesus, Allah, I'm calling out. And uh, what ended up happening, I went to sleep uh, crying, company at the house, and I just felt I was dead. But I, I woke up around 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and this is how God spoke to me. He pretty much was letting me know, you got the job done. You you done it. You, you killed yourself. That's how he let me know. And I remember I was upset because I wasn't dead. I wasn't dead. So I remember having a pain on me I had never experienced before. And as I had that pain on me, I uh, remember throwing my arm over my head. And when I threw my arm over my forehead, I went and fell back on my sofa. And when I fell back on my sofa, I was trying to go back to sleep because I was like, no, I thought I was going to wake up dead. That's how I was thinking. So all of a sudden, this is where my life changed. I was saying this, all this to lead up to this point. I, I heard a voice, and when I heard the voice, I knew it was God. I knew it. As a lost soul, I knew that was God. And I remember hearing God say to me, he called me by my, no, the way he said it to me that day, he didn't even call me by my name. He said, if you want to live for me, he said, I'll let you live. He said, if you don't want to live for me, he said, I'll let you go mm. like that. And I remember crying out passionately before God because I heard him. Yeah. And I've had heard him in the past. You know, these, you know, things yeah. I'm telling you I was hearing. And a lot of people may not believe that, but God really, he really do speak. And I remember I said, God, this was all I knew at the time. I said, God, I said, if you let me live, I said, I'll go, I'll Go in my words, I say I'll go and go to church like that. Yeah. And I remember, soon as I said that, a peace came over me, oh, and I man. went to sleep. Now the very next day, guess who was at my house again? The Christian. The Christian. <laughs> and this time he came with his sister, oh, and they man. worked on me. And when they worked on me, they got me to this church. I'll never forget this church. It's called Apostolic Tabernacle. I ended up at Apostolic Tabernacle. And when I was there, there was a uh, gentleman there. He was a strong, strong Christian. And those were his kids who were coming to my house. The family was in the church. And I remember he came over to me. And he asked, could he pray with me? But that day I was sitting up in there and I was hard, but it was a lady that was singing. And I didn't know how God was using this lady to soften me because I'm coming hard from the streets. You know, yeah. I'm coming from this mobster life yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm in here in this church. Now, in my mindset, I don't have nothing else to lose. Right. I'm here. Let me see, God. I need to see you. So I'll, And I've already heard him. So, and he let me live. And so I'm sitting up in there and this lady just singing away music I never heard before. And I was melting. Your heart and was just I was softening. Just softening, just, man. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this minister at the end of the service, he asked me, he said, can I pray with you? 
And I said, yeah, you can pray with me. But where he got me at is when he went to go and lay his hand on me. <laughs> and when he laid his hand on me, I really thought in my mind, I'm struggling with the thoughts, man, this is fake. You know, this can't be real. This is fake. But I'm going to tell you what got me, Jay. When he put his hand on my head, mm. I began to feel myself going back it was like a peace came over me and i was just going back yeah and as i was going back i i thought it was me putting up with it for a minute <laughs> yeah. and i'm like i'm just going back and i'm going down and i'm going down and i feel hands on me because it looked like i'm about to fall backwards and but this was the problem for me jay uh at that time i tried to come back forward and I couldn't come back <laughs> forward. And so I ended up going out onto the floor peacefully. And as I went down peacefully, it was a peace like I had never, ever mm. experienced in my whole entire yeah. life. It was that peace that surpasses all, all understanding. understanding. And I'm yeah. laying there, and this was the issue. I did not want to come up out of it. I was yeah. hoping, because I know, it, I'm thinking, man, this is the most peacefulest place I have been out of all of my time, out of all the troubles I've been confronted with, with court dates and, yeah. and not knowing what my future is going to hold and, and watching myself lose all my material stuff. All that stuff is gone. Why? Because I can't support that life in a legitimate way no more. You know, I'm saying it, yeah. there's no legitimate way yeah. to support that life. Not no more, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was that... Uh, I, uh, I, I finally, they get me up and I go home and I had to go through processes again, you know, with the court and everything. Yeah. Then I ended up falling on my knees at my place. And when I fell at my knees, fell on my knees at my place after that encounter, that experience, I said, God, I know you real now. I know you real. Mm. I say, but what is your name? I'm crying out because you remember the Jesus, the right. Allah, Jesus, yeah. Allah. And next thing you know, the Christians, they came by to pick me up again, him and his sister. Took me back to church, Jay. When they got me to church, I remember had a good service. I was happy to be there because I've experienced something bigger than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've experienced the supernatural there, and I know it ain't the devil, you know, to a certain degree. You know, yeah. I'm lost. Yeah. But I know this is something good about this. I could feel there's something good about this, and I know this have to be God. So I get back there, Jay. The service was good. End of service, it was the only place I was feeling peace at out of all my problems. And I remember, Jay, that same gentleman came up and asked me again. He said, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you again? I say, yes, sir. I say, yes, sir. And he said, put your hands up. Let me pray with you. And I fell out again. But this time, I'm going to show you. The Bible talks about how God's voice, it sounds like many waters, you know, it's like rushing waters. And, and I remember when I went out this time, I could literally feel a wave like going through my body. And mm. that wave, this is what was being said yeah, while the yeah, wave yeah. was going through my body. It was going, Jesus is the way. Mm. And it would come back and it said, Jesus is the way. And I kept hearing it, Jesus is the way. So... That night, I come up out of that peaceful state, and I get home, and I'm happy because I'm convinced now Jesus is the way. 
but there was something still had to happen. <laughs> so I kept going back, and I kept going back. Well, all of a sudden, on October the 1st of 1995, I'll never forget, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And when he filled me with the Holy Spirit, bro, I just had a passion to seek out God. I need to understand you. I'm confronted with, uh, I'm probably about to be, you know, I'm going to be gone, mm -hmm. but I got to get God. I got to get God. And where I made the mistake at, at that time, I was thinking that just because I received Christ into my life, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. That you're going to be found great. not guilty. I'm going to be found <laughs> not guilty. But yet, Jay, that wasn't the case. Oh, just I, a commissioning to yeah, go to the mission yeah, field. Yeah, So So I ended up going back to court, and when I got to court, uh, and they finally came to my, I felt like I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I kept talking with God. I'm thinking God telling me, you, you're you not going. You're not going to prison. So I ended up going to prison, Ugh. and the judge hit me with a 40-year sentence. You know, in other words, they offered me 15. I turned down the 15, and it was a, by jury. So the jury found me guilty, and, uh, uh, and the judge sentenced me to 40 years. And so... I was really, really hurt, you know, because it went from 15 to 40, you know, and uh, that don't make no sense, huh? Exactly. <laughs> and then what what really hit me too is that the law officials, uh, you know, who I'm, I'm I'm gonna have to say this, but you know, to hear the law officials lying on me though, yeah. you know, I knew I did what I did, right? But to hear them attempting to get a conviction, you know, which they did, to hear them lying. You know, and I'm like, but wait, I know you're doing your job. You got me. You caught me in my place of business, but the lies. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't feel like I had a voice. But but me as that Christian, I'm like, God, whatever you want to do here, God. I had even had me a little girlfriend at the time, and I told her, I say, look, I say, you're a beautiful girl. I say, you might as well go on. You know, the way I said it, you know, I say, you might as well go on with your life. I say, because as far as me, I feel like my life is over with. So I say, look, go do something with your life. I say, go have fun with your life and enjoy your life. I say, but I got to let you go. So I let my girlfriend go and everything as I set up again, because, you know, after I came in off a of bun uh, and got, you know, and they had found me guilty, you know, I was sitting in 701 again, Harris County Jail. So from there, Jay, God, I began to try to understand, God, why? You know, because I was happy. I was in church. I had a good church home, the church I got filled with the Holy Spirit in. I was, I was singing in the choir. You know, I was faithfully going to church. And I didn't know when the choir director gave me a certain song. That song was called, Didn't You Know? And what it was dealing with was when Jesus, uh, you know, when we saw in the book of Luke, his family would make that journey to Jerusalem mm -hmm. and they were leaving. And when they were leaving, Jesus wasn't, you know, he wasn't in the caravan. Right. So what ended up happening when they went back to go find him, you know, they found him, you know, with the, the temple. Yeah, exactly. In the temple. So and uh, and so he asked, didn't you know? Yeah, why yep. were you searching I for I got to be about my father's yeah. business. So, yeah. well, the lyrics in that song, 
See, because I had... Uh, I got to listen to that song. I don't think I've ever heard oh, it. Oh, you got to hear this. It's hear. a blessing. And uh, what ended up happening, I'll say this in closing, brother. Uh, as I was... Um, as I was, the choir director gave me that song, you know, didn't you know? And it was asking, uh, the lyrics in the song was saying, why were you searching for me? Where else would you think I'd be? You know, and then it say, I'll, I'd be in my father's house doing his work. So uh, the reason why that was so important to the church congregation, because God had gave me so much favor they would look forward for me to come and sing because they had begun to give me solos. Yeah, and so that was cool. the final solo that I sung at that mm. church where I would come up missing. Wow. And so my pastor, uh, Lester Roch, he came to court with me. And when he came to court with me, he, he spoke out favorable in my behalf. But I knew my past. You know, I knew, man, uh, he spoke highly of me. But I'm like, Pastor but. I got some stuff. <laughs> yeah. I got some stuff. And so he was there when I got sentenced to 40. But you know what he told me when I would go into prison? And this motivated me through my entire prison stay. He said, he said, Joseph, he said, well, look at it this way. He said, if you have to go to prison, Joseph, he said, be like Joseph. Mm. And true enough, I'm going to show you something. Watch this here. So I ended up in the prison system. That's how I met you, Jay. That's yep. how I met so many others. Yeah. Uh, God was doing so many miraculous works uh, with me. I was in Hutchin uh, State Jail, and God had such an anointing on my life there, Jay, that wow. I was working you in were the right laundry. There. You were right there in my area, in and, Dallas. Yeah. And as I was there... I thank God for the guards there because I was working in the laundry and God had such an anointing on my life, Jay, that I could go and I would just be touching people and people would be falling all mm, out in the wow. laundry room. I'm talking about the captains of the laundry would come, the sergeant, and because God had gave me favor and notoriety, they'd look at people on the ground and all they wanted to know was where they dead. And we would tell them, no, they're not dead. We just we just praying for them, and they would be all laid out in the laundry. Mm. Uh, from that point, God gave me so much favor, I was able to actually pray for officers. I'm talking about high-ranking officers, captains wow. and sergeants and all those. And so I was, uh, God was giving me a lot of favor there, and that would be would be before I would get where you where yeah, me and yeah, you yeah. met. And then finally, Jay, I was uh, I I remember praying this to God, and this is where I put this this where this truly comes to an end i remember i had to do my stay i pulled almost because i did 11 years and some change and i remember that uh when i left y'all uh at lockhart you know uh think you know uh i went on to that uh six month mm -hmm. and when i ended up at the six month you remember I told you Chaplain Tucson had already made a phone call to the uh warden there whose name was Mark Jones Mark Jones was really impressed by the fact that he had a preacher out there. He mm. had not even met me yet. All I know is I went to commissary and I came back and it was this other officer who was a hard officer if you're dealing with some inmates who want to be hard-headed. And I'll never forget Mr. Little. And Mr. Little, he could see something in me already. I'm talking about man had not known me hard officer, but he could see something in me already. Yeah. Uh uh and when he saw that, I hadn't met the warden yet, but I'm going to uh uh commissary and when I go to commissary, 
I come back to my dorm, and when I come back to the dorm, even before I could get there, I could hear people sing along the bowling alley. You know what they call yep. it. And they were saying, hey, Joseph, the warden looking for you. The warden looking for you, and I'm coming from commissary. <laughs> and I'm like, what the warden looking for me for? You know, I know I hadn't done anything. What is he looking for me for? So I get back, and then uh, I put my commissary up. And then somebody said, yeah, you can go meet the warden. He's down at the uh, picket on the bowling alley. So I go to the bowling alley. And when before I could even get there, Mr. Little was telling the warden, who was Mark Jones at the time, he was saying, that's him. That's him. That's him, warden. I'm telling you, warden, like that. So I get to the warden, and I look that warden in the face, and he looking at me, and he come up, and he said real low. He said, man, he say, you're preaching. I say, yes, sir, like that. He said, man, he said, your chaplain called me about you. And he said, you know what? He said, man, you coming with me. And he took me. And 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 so I was able to go serve that warden with a godly integrity, you know. And, wow. uh, and he, he loved what, you know, what I would do up at the uh, front office with the cleaning and everything, making sure the warden's office and his secretaries and all of them that, Everything is clean, bathrooms, everything clean. And during that time, they had got the highest grade they had ever got, which was uh, giving me a lot of favor, right? But I asked God this uh, when I first got over to that facility. I said, God, I said, if I'm pleasing to you, Father, not so much just because I'm a child of God, no, but am am I walking in a way that's pleasing unto you, God? I say, if I am, Lord, I say, let me be like Joseph. And true enough, at the end, God had gave me that favor with that warden. And uh, when when I left there, I left there with honors. I'm talking mm. about to the point to where wow. the warden was like, man, I, I hate to see you go, man. He said, but I'm glad you're getting up out of here. And and I went out with favor. So that's me, Jay. That's what man. happened in my life. I hope I didn't well, take you know, Well, you know you're uh-huh. a preacher because you yes, had sir. four closings. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I know <laughs> so it. So I'm the same way. I'm the same. I have four closings yeah, in everything yeah. I do. Uh, you know, Joseph, yes, sir. I mean, you you already weaved in anything I would have already asked yes, about about your life and yes, your testimony sir. and 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 God and everything. You've already weaved it all in, so yes, there's really sir. nothing else to to talk about. Yes, sir. But I do want I want to I want to close yes, with you speaking to uh, the inmates, male yes, and female that are that are, are yes, sitting sir. in jails all across the nation. Yes, sir. Um, and just speak to them. Yes. Now it might speak to some other people out here that might be in, in prisons in their yes, mind sir. and in their heart yes. and imprisoned by other different things, invisible bars. Mm-hmm. But speak to speak to them, the ones that are, are still locked up, and uh, you know, just give them hope. Yes. Sir. I mean, you did 11, 11 years on a forty. Yes. You know, I did three years on my five. I yes, mean, sir. we got guys in forgiven felons that are you know did thirty years mm-hmm. and. You know, so uh, we get letters mm-hmm. all the time about the podcast mm-hmm. and and episodes that really guests spoke mm-hmm. to the people, mm-hmm. and so uh, it moved them, it impacted mm-hmm. them. So, just take take two three minutes and just yes, speak sir. to the ones that are are specifically behind the real bars yes, where sir. me and you yes, used sir. to sit, and uh, and just speak life and hope mm-hmm. into them. Mm-hmm. Dear precious men and women of God, and and just. Men and women in general, you might not have made that decision yet, but what I want you to understand is this. 
The Bible says whom the Son, Jesus, and that's Jesus Christ, whom the Son makes free, is free indeed. And the Bible also says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I am here to tell you that if you are still bound and you're behind prison bars, you're behind those prison walls, I would even go so far as to say, you're behind those prison walls, I want you to understand that if God can do it for me, he can do the same thing for you. Whom the Son makes free truly is free indeed. When the, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, the Spirit of, the, of God, the Spirit of the Son of God, when he comes into your life, he will truly set you free. Yeah, I yeah. am a living testimony. I want you to know that. I want you to be encouraged. And if you're feeling like you're down to nothing, it is important that you know that God is still up to something and he can make a way out of no way. He's Amen. more than able. Amen. Amen. To to real, real quick, no. we got to go because we yes, got sir. another one at four. Yes, sir. Two of the songs that I loved to hear yes, you sir. sing was "He Can Make a Way Where There Is No Other Way" and uh, "We Need You More More Than Yesterday." Amen. I used to love to you to hear you sing that song, Amen. man. And every time I sing it, some 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 you know some of the Pentecostal churches I go to still hit the old the old yes, songs sir. like that. Yes, that's sir. considered old now. Yes, sir. Uh, and so I love I love to hear. I used to love to hear you sing that song. Amen. Above all, I used to love to hear you Amen. sing. Above all, man, you ministered <laughs> to me so much you. in word and music. Thank you for all you do, all you did yes, for sir. us behind bars, but all you've done since you've been out. And thank you for. For Matilda coming yes, and supporting sir. you, it's good to see her, yes, and keep doing what you're doing, man. Yes, sir. And uh, you never know; I may just show up at your church on Sunday morning one time. Amen. I'm right. looking forward to it, Jake. <laughs> I love you. All man. right, man. This Thank you so awesome. much. Yes, sir. All right, man. What what an interview! That the interview took like an hour and forty minutes when we first did it, and I was just like, God, well, how am I gonna? Should I make this one episode or make it two? And I just decided to make it two. But let me just tell you, man. I mean, with everything, Joseph had it made. His dad was trying to set him up with, with you know, businesses and life. And Joseph just did everything he could to mess everything up. And even when he prayed, prayed and asked God for things and God would answer him and he, he, he wouldn't like it. You know, but hanging around the wrong people too long and, and doing the wrong things, um, you know, catches up to you, especially if you're working for the cartel. But it just goes to show you, no matter how deep you get into this world's darkness, and the cartel is pretty pretty far deep into the darkness of our world, in our society. No matter how deep you go, it's never too deep where God can't pull you out, where God can't slow you down, and he can't let something happen in your life. You know, your story may not look like Joseph's, but... God believes in you. God wants to slow you down. God wants to let something happen in your life. And listen, you know, Joseph is, is a, was a pastor in prison, had all kinds of favor. He's a pastor now. He's got people that he's discipling and mentoring, a church growing down there in Houston. And, and let me just tell you, your assignment in the kingdom may not look exactly like Joseph's. It may not look exactly like mine. And, you know, that's what I used to think. I used to think that I have to be like Mike Barber or Bill Glass, but I don't, you know. I can just be I can just be my own little small thing. Uh, you know, we, I mean, we don't focus on prison ministry. We focus on the outside. But 
you know, I like going in and sharing, you know. Um, but I used to think, man, I gotta, I gotta have a big ministry like like Bill Glass or Mike Barber. But I don't have to. I don't even have to go in with them. You know, enough people invite us in, and we go share and just do our our own thing. And I used to get caught up in thinking that I wasn't valued, you know, like those other bigger ministries are. And you know what, God, God sees you right where you are. He sees you at the one little unit. At John, in Johnston, the Johnston unit out in Winsboro, Texas, you people that go in there, God sees you. You people that that, that go into the um, East Texas treatment facility out in Henderson, God sees you. God sees you. Thank you for 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 the all the the units that don't ever get the Bill Glass and the Mike Barber. Just know that God God sees your unit too, and God God sends the exact right people to minister to you to slow you down, to make something happen in your life. And listen, I didn't really even know the, the part about, you know, Joseph searching out Islam and, and becoming a Muslim. I didn't know that. Even, even you know, because, I mean, I knew him at, at Lockhart as a Christian. So, but he dove in. He dove in and was so confused about which one was right. That's how, that's how, that's how much truth there is in Islam. There's a lot of truth in Islam. But the one truth that's not there is Jesus. You know, they they even acknowledge that Jesus was a prophet, and they say, peace be to him. But Joseph radically tried Islam, and in the end he said that Jesus won out. So I don't know where you're sitting right now. I don't know if you're out of prison, in prison. But you might be trying to search. You might be searching. You might be searching Buddhism. You might be searching Hinduism. You might be searching something else. Let me just encourage you, like Joseph did, to call out. Call out to Jesus and, and the God of these other ones and see which one answers. See who answers. If you genu genuinely want to know, I know that my God will genu genuinely answer you. All right, let's wrap this up, man. Next week we got a great oh, we got a great interview. We got an interview coming up from a white collar criminal, <laughs> former white collar criminal, forgiven felon. So um, let me pray over Joseph and you guys, Father in Jesus' name. I thank you for Joseph. I thank you for his wife Matilda. I thank you for his church, Father. Send people to his church that needs to hear about you through them, Lord. I pray that you expand right on point ministries territory. Give them favor. Give them souls for Jesus. Lord, I pray over the listener, whether they're listening in Kentucky, Pennsylvania, California, South Texas, wherever, Lord, I pray over the listener right now. Uh, we got we got listening, people listening all over the world, Lord. Australia, um, our, our, new, our new friends in Australia, um, thank y'all for sharing. Thank y'all for sharing... Uh, uh, spreading the word over there. I cannot wait to connect with with you guys. Oh, uh, I, I'm praying. Sorry, Lord, I pray over the people in Australia. I pray over all of our listeners, Lord. Give them breakthroughs. Give them exactly what they need uh, for when they need it and how they need it. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much and I'm humbled that I get to do this. Keep impacting lives. Help us to keep impacting lives, Lord, for you, for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, it's been fun, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons. 
helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.